Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number four of Revelation chapter 14, and I'll be reading verses 3 and 4. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. We were discussing verse 3 in our last study. We saw how the Bible pictures individuals following salvation who begin to declare the word of God, declare the gospel, as singing a new song. And no one is able to learn that song, the actual um, spiritual song that God gives them, the true gospel of the Bible, except for the 144,000, the elect, are very careful. They have the Spirit of God within them, and God guides them into truth, and and they're uh, very jealous of that song, which is the Bible. They they do not add to it or subtract from it, and they're they're careful in every matter of doctrine. Well, uh, then it goes on to say in verse 4, These are they, the 144,000, again, which represent all those saved during the church age, which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, the word defiled, the Greek word translated as defiled, is only found um, three times in the New Testament. One, um, in one place, God speaks of your your conscience and and this word defiled. And in another place, in the book of Revelation, I think it's a little clearer what's in view in Revelation chapter 3, in verse 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now here the white garment um, pictures purity, holiness, it, it is that which is without sin. And God's elect, those that he saves, he washes away all sin. He cleanses the sinner. He makes them new in his sight. There is not a spot or wrinkle. And uh, God can use the image or the picture of a garment, uh, all white, fine white linen. It's called elsewhere. And and that teaches, well, they have no sin. Or he can use the picture of not being defiled with women. And they are virgins. They they have uh no sin in his sight is really what it's what it's teaching, that that they are pure in his sight. They are holy in his sight. And 
Uh, he he does not see any of their sins. Their sins are gone. The the sins of a child of God are removed from the sinner at the point of salvation as far as the east is from the west. They're cast into the depths of the sea, and the Bible says um, they'll be remembered no more. Let me let me read that verse. It's uh, really a good verse in Micah. Micah chapter 7, it says in verse 19, He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins, not most of them, not 99% of them, all their sins into the depths of the sea, that will perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which... Uh, thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Well, it doesn't say they'll not be remembered anymore, but it, it does say all the sins of God's people. And if if you're saved, if I'm saved, that means all of our sins were laid in upon Christ, cast into the depths of the sea. He paid for them all. Then there was the matter of applying that redemption, that atoning work, to us in time as we were born into the world, and that was the purpose of the sending forth of the gospel to find those elect predestinated to salvation who were chosen and whose sins were cast upon the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world, and and he died for them as the Lamb, and then he rose again and, and made full payment Christ made full payment for all sin, and we we know the law of double jeopardy. If someone has been tried, in this case found guilty in the person of Christ, and a payment has been made, justice has been served, he cannot be tried for the same crime. And so if if we have sinned, if we have fallen into some iniquity, God doesn't want payment from us. He doesn't want us uh, to offer up some sacrifice for our sin. There's no need for that, and, and that would be abominable to him. There's only one acceptable sacrifice, and that sacrifice was offered from the point before this world began, and... That is what God looks to. And and therefore, for the child of God, since all of the elect have now had that sacrificial atoning work of the Lord Jesus applied to their souls, everyone to be saved has become saved. And and God, therefore, uh, as with the hyssop dipped in the blood uh, to put on the doorpost for the Passover... God has used his word to apply the blood of Christ to the sinner, to everyone that he intended to save, whose name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And God has washed them, baptized them from the foundation of the world, washed away their sin. Now, at this point, there is a matter of making that manifest as the Lord's people go through the day of judgment, but there is no actual paying for sin by God's people. That's already been done. 
And, and so the Lord sees an undefiled company of people. He, he sees purity. Uh, he, he sees uh, individuals that are as white as snow and, and clean from all iniquity. He, he does not see the multitude of our transgressions. Uh, they are gone from us. And, and so the 144,000, all those saved, washed, cleansed during the church age, well, they are typified as being not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, God moves the apostle Paul to write, and I'll, I'll read from verse 1, would to God he could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That is, as a woman undefiled. He's saying in the spiritual realm, uh, I, I want to present you as saved people to the Lord Jesus Christ as as the bride of Christ and since all your sins are gone it's like you're a chaste virgin in God's sight now uh, it's interesting in the book of Leviticus in Leviticus 21 that God established a law for the high priest in Leviticus 21 verse 10. It says, And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. And then, if we go down to verse 13, And he, still speaking of the high priest of Israel, shall take a wife in her virginity. And this is um, important because... Jesus is typified by the high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies once a year and offer um, the the blood, uh, sprinkling it upon the mercy seat, which covered over the law of God as the law is demanding justice, demanding satisfaction, demanding death for the one who has transgressed it. And then comes the high priest with that sacrificial blood of uh, the the animal in uh, Israel's case, and sprinkles it on the mercy seat, and it, it is as though the law has no more to say. That's the picture. That's the idea God wanted to get across through all the sacrifices. Sacrifice, and in the sacrifice there's the shedding of blood, and the shedding of blood satisfies the law's demands for justice. The law has been broken. The law has been transgressed. Whosoever transgresseth uh, one of God's commandments is guilty of all, and the penalty is death. But here is the offering of the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, and his blood, which the life is in the blood, the life of Christ, is offered in place of the sinners that God has determined to save. Those chosen people, those blessed people that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ 
has elected to salvation. God who selected them uh, not based on merit or anything they have ever done or could ever do, but based solely upon his good pleasure. He decided to save Jacob. Jacob have I loved and not to save Esau. Therefore Esau have I hated. And, and, and this is, uh, of course, the, uh, gospel that the Bible sets forth the wonderful news of, of God's salvation for his people. In Isaiah chapter 62, Isaiah 62, it says in verse 4 and 5, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hezbollah, and thy land Beulah, for Jehovah delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. And in that verse, or in those verses, God is tying marriage and and um, a young man marrying a virgin to God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, marrying his bride, as the Apostle Paul says, uh, which is presented as a chaste virgin to Christ. The, the, the high priest of his people must marry a virgin. That's the law of God, and God has placed his name under his own law, which means God has subjected himself that he must obey the law. It's not possible for God to disobey a law, and every law is important. Every law, uh, no matter what the law is, teaches something, like the law in the book of Deuteronomy that says that um, when a, a judge is meeting out judgment, he may not exceed 40 stripes in his sentence. He can give 40 stripes, but no more. And, and there, there is a limit to punishment. And of course, that means that God is under that law. And, and therefore, when God, the righteous judge of all the earth, is meeting out punishment to sinners, he can go to the point of 40, or, or that is, there must be a limitation to the punishment. He is not permitted because he himself wrote the law, placed himself under his own law, that he just cannot um, uh, whip someone and beat them, giving them stripes without end, with without number, with no limitation. If that were so, God would have broken his own law. That's one big reason, and there's many, why there cannot be a place called hell where sinners are cast and punished forever and ever and ever. No, no end to it. That's what uh, the churches teach. That's the doctrine the theologians have developed. And, and yet it is wrong compared to the law found in Deuteronomy 25 in the first three verses. It, it is not 
within the realm of biblical possibility for God to uh, to be a righteous judge and to mete out the punishment for the wicked. He can beat the wicked, yes, some with many stripes, those who know his will, and others with few stripes. He has allowed himself that possibility, but he cannot be without end. That That is contrary to the law that he has written. Well, um, let's go back to Revelation 14, and again in verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Let's look at this phrase. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. And the idea of following Christ is a familiar idea. The, the Greek word translated as follow is found in the gospel accounts over 70 times. I, I counted it out and then, then I let it slip my mind, but I remember it's over 70 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then that same Greek word is found, um, four times, I believe. It, yes, four times in the book of Acts. Once, only once in the epistles, in 1 Corinthians 10.4, which says the rock followed them, and then seven times in the book of Revelation. I, I was surprised of its distribution in the New Testament. I thought it would be all over in the epistles too, but it's only found once in the epistles, and then seven times in, in Revelation, once here in our verse, these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. Now in Matthew, I'll, I'll just go to a couple of verses to remind us. Matthew 4, verse 19, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And these are some of the disciples, the apostles, who were fishermen, Jesus spoke to them, commanded them, follow me, and they did follow. Then in Matthew 16, we read in verse 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And then he goes on to explain um, that that really there's no profit if you gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul. In John 10, John 10, we read in verses 4 and 5, um, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep Follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And then when we get out of the Gospel of John, um, the word follow isn't used nearly as often as in the four Gospels. But uh, the usage picks up in the book of Revelation, 
And especially there, I think there's a very significant place where, where the word follow is found in Revelation chapter 19. And I'll read from verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, I I hope this um, hits you like it hit me. God's people follow the Lamb. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ whithersoever he goeth, according to our verse in Revelation, these are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. And the apostles were excellent examples of that. They were fishermen. Jesus said, follow me. They put down their nets and followed. And God's people followed the Lord Jesus Christ from the nation of Israel into the New Testament era, into the New Testament church age. God's people followed Christ throughout the day of salvation into the end of the church age and into the period of great tribulation. The Lord's people followed the Lamb out of the churches because the word of God declared that you must flee Judea and and go to the mountains. God's people followed. And in Revelation 19, which is uh, an account describing Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going forth to battle to make war with Satan and his forces in the kingdom of darkness in the day of judgment. And there is Christ and the armies which were in heaven followed upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, the elect of God, those washed of their sins, purified, no sin any longer upon them, follow Christ into the battle of the day of judgment. And, of course, we have to keep in mind, this isn't speaking of some future event, some far-off uh, occasion some uh, future situation where we're like some spiritual being, but it's describing what took place on May 21, 2011, and ever since that day, as we have been living on the earth in the day of judgment, God has been doing battle. He he won the victory, but but since judgment day is a prolonged period of time, it, it, it still, in a way, is as though the whole period is the battle. And the Lord's people follow. We, we don't argue with God. We don't resist the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We don't say, I will follow you, Lord, as long as there's salvation. I'll follow you as long as the the Bible uh, declares is according to my liking. I'll follow you in this battle, um, yes, but to a point. Only if the doctrine of the scriptures, if there's still salvation. No, that's not following, that's leading. The Lord's people follow the Lamb. Whatever the Lamb says, and Christ is the Word, the Word made flesh, and what the Bible says is what Christ says. And as we learn from the Bible, the information about the righteous judgment of God, as as he has opened up many important truths in the day of judgment, then we obey. That's following Christ into the battle. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.